Made for autistic people, parents and carers of kids on the autism spectrum. This is a different brilliant with Orion Kelly. No two autistic people are the same. Open conversations that inform and engage a better place for autistic An aspect people. podcast focusing on the strengths, interests and aspirations of the autistic community. Welcome to a different brilliant. Welcome along. I do appreciate you listening to A Different Brilliant. I'm your host, Orion Kelly, and I'm autistic. My purpose is to inspire, inform, and entertain you through focusing on the strengths, interests, and aspirations of the autistic community. A Different Brilliant with Orion Kelly. Now, in this episode, we are exploring the topic of structure supports, and we're discussing why they are important for autistic people. My guest is Megan Williams. Megan is the manager of Aspect's comprehensive approach, leading the implementation across Aspect services. Megan, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, let's just start at the start so we can build on this. I'd love you to first up, let's just talk broadly what are support structures? What, what what are we talking about when we talk about structure supports? So it's like the framework, if you think about it, the framework of a house being built for a person. So where the supports are individualised for that person. Not everyone wants the same design and same contents in a house. So where do we start? We build a foundation. Not everyone's going to have the same design. So we need to assess the structure of the physical space for them and make adjustments where needed. Then we look at the uh, building the walls and the layout. So this is where we provide routines and schedules for the person to help make sense of their day. And lastly, we look at what's inside the house, the contents. So we need to look at the interests and preferences of the person living there and also their support needs. So that when the person goes to move into the house, they're interested in the content they know what to do in the spaces with the materials inside the house. This is similar to the supports we put in place in our in our schools and in the workplace and in leisure programs that the autistic people we work with are engaging in. So we increase, decrease structure according to the person's needs and preferences and interests at any given time. We may redesign the house. People are constantly doing that. And that's the same with when we're putting supports in place, that visual structure for our students and participants that we're working working with, that we look at what they're doing and where restructure needs to happen to make something more meaningful, something more organised for them, or more comfortable if, if it's an uncomfortable situation. If you think about all of us, we all benefit from structured supports. They're not just a school tool. They're all around us in the airports, shopping centres, in the streets. The key factor that that's the difference and the success for structured supports is that they're individualised. And we can only truly do this if we know the person. So what are their interests, preferences? What are they expecting in their day? What's their motivations, communication styles, sensory differences? It's all about changing the environment around that person, which is proving to be challenging. It's not about changing the person. We don't want people that we work with in our school settings, in the community, or that we may be living with to be less autistic. 
We want them to understand what's what the challenging thing is in the situation or the environment and for them to be able to voice it or for us to understand them more to, so we can make accommodations and adjustments to enable that person to understand the situation more clearly and feel more comfortable. What about for you in your life? You've been a dad of an autistic son. Um, is there things that you rely on yourself or prefer to have in your life or if they, in the absence of them, would it have an impact? Yeah. So I think something that I can see in my seven-year-old autistic son and also in myself, which I, I clearly don't grow out of, is the impact it can have on me with things not going the way they would usually go or something changing. So the structure supports, for example, my wife would always try to drop the boys off on the way to work because it's on her way to work, where if she has to go in early for a meeting and then I've got to do it, most people would go, well, who cares, mate? You've just got to get in the car and take them. But my seven-year-old goes, if someone different is taking me, does that mean someone different is picking me up? And then he gets stressed and then the other little guy gets stressed. So I think the structure supports that I put in place with my wife where, okay, we'll, we'll always try and have certain things done in a certain way to make it a little easier. If I just woke up every day and said, right, let's, what are we going to do today? And how's it all going to work? I don't think that would go especially well. And I also think the, the structure of the week, for example, there's days where I know I will be home with our, our littlest guy and there's days I know are like protected time for me where I can do things like this and the little guy will go to, to daycare. Does that make sense? Things that I can rely on. Yeah, and I think that's definitely the same for everyone. If I look at the way I work and the systems I've got in place for myself, they're individual to me and say my colleagues It'd probably be a nightmare if they tried to use the support structures I use. So for everyone, it's very individual. And the key elements of structured support, some of the things I was hearing you say was around the routines and schedules are very important to have those, to be able to show people what these are, not just rely on telling people what they are. And being able to forewarn of changes in some way visually can really support the people we're working with. So I would see the five key things that are important to include with structured supports, starting with looking at the physical environment, what are some adjustments that can be made to just make it more a more meaningful space, setting up routines for activities or tasks that are proving to be a challenge for someone to do on their own. So it's that point where you're having to verbally prompt a person or help them with the routine that you need to think, this is the spot I need to visually show them how to move through this, this activity or this interaction might be a social interaction. And implementing some schedules and activity systems. So a schedule is going to tell the person where they need to be and when and an activity system or in the schools, sometimes we call them work systems, that's like a list or it could be showing kids, this: here's your work and here's your finish box and showing them what, what the work expectations are. And then looking at the content of what you might be doing or teaching and there may be something to do with the organisation or the instruction or something you could do to make it clear and make important information pop out and that's the visual structure that you'd be looking at. I can relate to that because take my seven-year-old, for example, if I just say in the morning, can you please put on your socks? I've told you 20 times, put on your socks, put on your <laughs> yeah. socks, put on your shoes. 
people might think he's either being obstructive or lazy, but what's actually probably going on is, well, look, you know, Dad, to be honest with you, I have different shoes and different socks, whether it's sports day or normal uniform day, and sometimes I forget, you know, how to put them all on. And so, you know, from my point of view, instead of saying put on your socks, grab your socks. Remember, we're looking for the line at the, at the bottom of the socks. The line goes on your toes and the other side is the bottom of your feet. You want to put those on first. Like you say... I'm providing things, some structures, some supports in there rather than just put on your socks, put on your yeah, shoes, yeah. get dressed. I've told and, you a hundred times. It's super important. It's super important because that yeah. that's the information and that's the support that allows them to then do it. And then as they as they do it, they go, I can do this. Believe me when I say this, I genuinely didn't think that I would get to stop doing my son's school buttons up. But he can button his entire shirt from from prep. I mean, I couldn't, at the start of prep, no chance. And then by the end of the year, he could do all the buttons up on a shirt. Now, by the way, that's pretty hard. It's not easy. And I think, well, this is because we've constantly, instead of going, button your shirt up, we've gone, you know, just grab the button and see that little, you've got to kind of open it up and you push it through and you kind of, you support them and you show them the different tricks like you say you have to tailor it yeah and for your son that was the information he needed to get him going and sometimes it can be really tricky to think of how can I show him how to do this but we've got the wonderful world of technology at our, at our hands so trying to think about how to remove ourselves as being a person prompt and be able to show someone something you could easily give some instructions on a video that they can just tap their iPad and you're there giving the instructions and and showing a model at the same time, but you don't need to be there. So by doing that, you've enabled them to do that skill successfully without needing someone there all the time. Because I'm sure sometimes it'd just be nice to have a breather from that teacher being right next to that person sometimes. They feel more confident doing something if they just had a little tip to follow, even if it was a little video tip. It can be quite powerful and and increase self-esteem as well as independent skills. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it'd be a sense of accomplishment. The place you start when you're looking at a situation of how you can visually structure something, you put implement structured sports, is if you start with the physical environment and then move through routines and schedules and don't go straight away to, I've got to put a visual support in place for this this student or this person uh, or my child. Think about the environment first because it may be something small you can tweak that enables them to continue on with the task or activity that they're doing. And one of the most powerful moments I had in my teaching career was a student saying to me, we had some visuals on the wall and we were conscious of not over-cluttering the classroom. But for him, sitting at his desk, he said, I feel like I'm in a mouse cage. There's just too much on the wall. And we came up with a solution of instead of having the visual boards facing out, we just flipped them over so it was a clear backing and when we needed that visual we just flipped it back so that it really popped out on the wall that this is the information we're looking at at the moment and when I checked back in with him when we turned all our posters our schedules and reminders turned them all away so we just looked at the backs of the visuals he said he felt much better now for us we could have just packed them all away but it was a, a quite a small room and to find the visuals in the moment wasn't going to work for us as teaching staff that were in that class but for him in talking to him finding out what was stopping him from being able to do his work he's given us that information so we could have gone straight away to you need to focus and put a a visual on his board or put your hand up when you need help or change the activity but it was actually the environment that was stopping him from being able to do it. Yeah no that makes sense there's no use saying just block it out and I think it's too it's a processing thing isn't it and it's 
it's the stimuli and it's the idea that sometimes we can fall into the trap of being overstimulated at our own fault. You know, like sometimes I can have the TV going, plus I'm working on my laptop and I'm looking on my phone and I wonder why I start getting agitated. I mean, it's, you have to keep that in mind. I know we've touched on the key structures, but now we've started sharing experiences. I'd love to know, why do you think they are so important? for children on the autism spectrum. I know they're important for everyone, but why are structured supports so important for for kids on the autism spectrum? So they're a method for supporting skill acquisition and a way of organising environments. We've spoken about that. So that for the student, the activity or environment's more easily understood and more meaningful to them, especially if we include their interest to capture their initial engagement. It's all about understanding concepts, new concepts and skills and learning to connect those knowledge and skills to other parts of their life and through by doing this it can provide a sense of accomplishment and incentive for future exploration for that student one of the other important things around structured sports is they can be a strategy for teaching self-monitoring skills especially when kids are at school and say if we're having lunch and it's a bit of a messy lunch and there's things that we do all the time and students would do they would check their face make sure it's clean but for some of the kids that we're working with on the autism spectrum they mightn't think of that so it could be a reminder of a routine they need to do and then as they're getting older am I wearing the right clothes to go to work am I wearing the right clothes to go to a job interview so it's good strategies for self-monitoring in a range of contexts as well but the main thing is increasing understanding and skill development and I think the way I look at it is it's a bridge it really it just creates a bridge a ramp for the mind to get from where you are and the potential individual challenges you have to get from there to where you want to be, which is you want to feel that feeling of learning new things, of, of finding new new ways to navigate things. And, and I think that's important for everyone. And we can sometimes fall into the trap of just taking the excuse from people push on to you that, well, you know what, it doesn't matter if they don't, they don't learn everything or they, they don't have the, the same opportunities as this or that. And we know that's, that's rubbish. They just need certain things to get them there. And I think that's probably the most important thing. It's that bridge because I can 100% relate to what you're saying with my own son he clearly couldn't care less if he has Vegemite on his face all day at school mm. uh, when he gets off the bus I think oh buddy you, you know you probably don't want to be walking around with Vegemite all day you want, want to give that a clean but of course he's thinking well I can barely get to the toilet and back because he's constantly thinking the bell's gonna go or you know all those kind of things and they just don't think about all the things going through their mind so creating that bridge is probably the core important thing with structured supports because I think you can look at it from the wrong angle which is it's just more like an intervention to make them in quotation marks normal where it from my point of view if you can create a bridge for them to achieve things that they want to achieve and you know will help them in their life with regards to like you said the personal stuff and the and the intellectual stuff and the professional stuff i think this is it's really key because in the end it just comes down to quality of life for themselves it's that's what it's really all about definitely definitely does And I think one of the key messages that I always present when I'm presenting about structured sports is the more predictable something is, the more more calmer someone's going to feel. And that's for us, for, for the kids we're working with in our classrooms that might be autistic, may not be autistic, but providing a structure through the physical environment, through schedules, routines, work systems, and, and looking at visual structure, that can be the predictability that they need. 
And that can be the difference in their confidence or in their the skill development that they have. And then different smaller changes aren't so hard when that structure's there. And for those listening, clearly we have people that uh, you know listen from all over the world and don't necessarily have the opportunity to have their children in uh, schools that specialise in educating kids on the spectrum. You very much made it clear, and I completely agree, that you it isn't a generalised thing. It's not a, you can't broadly implement it. It's individualised. But what kind of examples would kids on, on the autism spectrum receive in school for supports? And what kind of examples can you bring up that may help parents listening, things they can implement or, or learn from? Yeah, so when a student in one of our classrooms walks into the classroom, they can see clearly defined spaces for different learning areas. So in the home, it might be clear areas for play Is it visually clear where I can play and where I can't play and what I can play in different spots? In the classroom, it might be where I do my desk work, where reading is. Is there a calm space that I can go to and just get myself together if things are a bit stressful or play a leisure space? Each child having routines that would be unique to them, but there would be some general routines like usually a line-up routine. Might be a different person that's a line leader, but there would be something visually showing what the line-up routine is, washing hands routines, packing bags are quite common ones. But each child having their own schedule. So quite often we'll see in classrooms a group schedule for everyone. But what we would like to see in our aspect schools with our supports is each child having a schedule that's unique for them. By having just one schedule for all may mean that someone may not understand it if it's not pitched at the right level or doesn't include their preferences for, say, images of their favourite things or preference for technology. And for kids that if a classroom has a picture timetable in the classroom and they can read, then they really don't need a picture timetable. So they could easily have a timetable on their iPad or timetable in their book that's just written. They might write it each day. It might be set for the week. And then looking at when kids are in the classrooms, we would see a system for approaching work. So for some kids that are working at a more concrete level need to see things not so much in the abstract way. It may be that what work do I need to do? It's on my left. How much work do I need to do? All the work is on my left. So they'll be able to see that. How do I know when I'm finished? They've learned to or been taught to put their work in a finish box on their right. And then they can see what do they do next. And there might be a check timetable card there for them to go and check their timetable. But for other kids, and especially for our kids in high schools, they our high school classes, they, they may not have a left to right work system. They may just have a written list of the activities they need to do for English. So I need to get my reader. I need to get my workbook and I need to do questions one to four so the the list would go through the questions of what work do I need to do how much work how do I know when I'm finished what do I do next and then our lessons when if a parent came into one of our classrooms and we're looking at a teacher presenting a lesson there may be differences in the way they instruct visually the students it may be delivered to the group but then the work they do may be slightly different in the accommodations and adjustments that they've done so One student may easily do the work that their mainstream peers are doing. They can read read the question, understand what to do, go ahead and do the answers. But for some other students, they may need some concrete materials or organised materials or they may need highlighting in a worksheet that might have been given or highlighting around materials needed for the art lesson. There may be pictures to say, these are the items I need for this activity. So 
looking at the instruction and the organisation of lessons presented, but also looking at what other individual visual clarity they need. How do you pop that information out for that child because he's missing it, but the rest are getting it? 100%. You know what I can say? I don't think I will ever not need explicit, straightforward direction. For example, there's no use my wife saying, geez, the laundry basket's getting full, isn't it? See ya. And she gets home from, (laughs) guess what happens when she gets home from work? What hasn't been done? (laughs) Well, because I didn't know you wanted me to do the washing. You just told me that it looks full. That's all you said. So I, I agree the lists and the explicit instructions, I can see the importance in those examples. And for parents listening, there's some great points they should take note of. You know, in our house, we have a room called the playroom. What do you think happens in the playroom? It's the playroom, right? You know, go to the playroom or go to your bedroom or there's specific zones and areas. And why is that? Well, because you can hang your hat on it. It's there. You know, you know what it's for and it helps. It makes sense. Yeah, it, yeah. it makes absolute and, sense. And I think it's important to acknowledge that good teachers and good practitioners do this naturally. So structure supports is a framework for us as practitioners and teachers to check. Have we looked at all the parts of structure supports to make sure this child or this young adult or adult is supported to get the best outcomes for them that we can achieve or they can achieve the best results for them because they're supported in the way that works for them? Yeah. But good practitioners and teachers will do that. Well, I want to move on before I let you go, but just a quick point just occurred to me. Uh, Am I part of a an age group that has been left out do you think do you think we could do with people designed to help adults with structured supports in our life i feel like maybe i might are a bit more generic and not so deep and and profound and useful are we just focusing on kids and forgetting about us when we get on this is just a thought sorry megan i'm just thinking out loud here but i'm just wondering yeah well i think structured supports are for everyone of all ages of all ability groups, the way we individualise for someone that's on the autism spectrum may be different from another person that isn't. Yeah. I mean, as, as an autistic adult, I think I, could, I think I could benefit from it. Definitely, I think I could benefit definitely. from it. But I don't have an understanding that it's something that's widely accessible or promoted through NDIS or, or whatever. So I guess... Sorry, Megan, I didn't mean to jump in there and come up with some sort of weird rant, but that's just, just occurred. <laughs> it just occurred to me. It seems super useful. It's an interesting point you make because I'm presenting with someone tomorrow, actually, and this young woman is, I just said, could you open the presentation and talk about structured supports in your life, things that you may have used in the past, uh, impacts uh, if they weren't there. We just discussed what types of things that um, she could talk about. And she said, well, I'm from the 80s, so it wasn't really around. Mm. So I think the term is around now, definitely. And it doesn't mean people don't need it if they haven't been, haven't had experience with it. Hopefully in the past, good practitioners and teachers have implemented these sorts of things, but may not have done the whole framework. But definitely for my co-presenter tomorrow, she's got systems that she uses and she's Mm. going to talk about them and why they're important. Yeah, fascinating. All right, before we let you go, let's talk about the uh, aspect comprehensive approach. Now, I I guess just tell us a bit about the purpose of it, your role, how it works. The aspect comprehensive approach is not a specific approach. So there's some approaches out there, they've got a, a specific strategy they use, it's a narrow approach, whereas the aspect comprehensive approach draws from a range of evidence that's out there in the 
was based on 50 years of research, but it draws on different areas and different elements and weaves these together. So it starts with the individual, understanding the individual, knowing what that person's interests, um, aspirations, motivations are, their expectations, their communication styles and sensory differences. It's really important that we start there, have a person-centred approach so that we know how we can relate to them and we have a better understanding of each other. There's a relationship there that we can then support them with elements uh, in their life from individual goal setting for individual planning, setting up structured supports in the, the different contexts that they navigate in, maybe in the community, school, home, uh, workplace supporting lifelong learning so teaching skills knowing how to teach skills for that person what's going to capture their engagement what's going to help them increase skill development and it may be through structured supports that that happens implementing positive behavior support for those situations where an environment people in the environment when it comes together it's a a challenging situation for that person so knowing what supports need to be put in place so that's not as a challenging situation then looking at future transitions implementing inclusion supports looking at the person around them their health and well-being are there supports that need to be put in place there and then when needed linking in with specialists and collaborating with those specialists so that we can do a wraparound support for that person in any of those areas that they may wish to have individual goals in or to develop further or their it may be their parents or family that are making those decisions if they're unable to so our approach is it's not one specific approach we're drawing from research we're looking at evidence-based practice. We're making sure that what we do is positive, not painful or distressing. It's respectful. It's respecting the full diversity of autistic people and contributes to their satisfaction and quality of life and their inclusion in society. And I feel like what you've just said has in a way answered my my question about how it therefore assists the educators with with regards to children on the autism spectrum and the, the supports they get at school. To me, it sounds like what you've basically said is, well, you guys, in effect, can make sure that what you are communicating to the educators is therefore the best practice, the best way of providing the right supports for today. It's giving them the information that they require rather than hoping they'll just work it out themselves and get it right. Yeah, starting with them, what do they want? And if they're unable to tell us, observing, working with their parents, carers, guardians, network to support them in achieving and having well the most important outcome is quality of life so we want them to have best outcomes in their life and this is really quality control to make sure there's quality of life in, in effect that's right <laughs> so that's right it makes total Instru- sense yeah and structured supports will help you get there well megan hey this has been fascinating it's, i've really enjoyed it i really uh, hope you've enjoyed the conversation too yeah thank you thank you for inviting me it was great to be part of this my absolute pleasure well all the best with uh, your work at aspect thanks ryan my guest on this episode was the manager of Aspect's comprehensive approach, Megan Williams. A different brilliant with Orion Kelly. No two autistic people are the same. An Aspect podcast focusing on the strengths, interests and aspirations of the autistic community. Hey, thank you so much for listening to A Different Brilliant. If the episode has resonated with you, I'd really appreciate it. 
if you'd share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, well, you can like the Aspect page on Facebook. You can also visit my website and send me a message. Just go to oriankelly.com.au. A Different Brilliant is an Aspect podcast. Executive producers are Lisa Cassidy, Dr. Tom Tutton and Julie Fenwick. I'm Orion Kelly. Thanks for listening to A Different Brilliant with Orion Kelly, an Aspect podcast on the strengths, interests and aspirations of the autistic community. Our door is open anytime. So like the Aspect page on Facebook or visit autismspectrum.org.au. My aim, make the world a better place for autistic people.